Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. We welcome to our WRFA Studios County Executive PJ Wendell for the final talk of 2023 and with that i thought you know we talk about 2023 so thanks for joining me county executive well, my pleasure and uh, happy holidays happy holidays to you too so big year lots of things happening this year and i was making the list of some of the, the highlights i and and low lights of some, some of the more difficult things that had gone over the past year and one of the things that we started out the year with and that was unsurprising and it continued through is uh chautauqua lake we started out the year thinking maybe we'll hear more about the Chautauqua Light District. And then I think it was in January, I think, or February, they had the meeting. And no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go a different direction. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been challenging. The lake is, it's a big component. Actually, as we speak, as I was driving in today, <clears throat> I received a phone call from Julie Barrett O'Neill. Uh, with some important news about the lake, so exciting! Uh, wait to hear what that what that is. But uh, you know, I've been committed to working in a collaborative effort for the lake. A unity of effort is what I've what I've phrased it. Um, every year we get closer and closer. Uh, there's been a lot of development in our lake management strategies. I have a, a strategy we're putting together uh, that I'll announce more in my State of the County address, but uh, the group's really working together. We did uh, add half a million dollars um, in a contingency fund, if you will, or a lake maintenance fund for projects to be considered in all of our lakes, not just you know Chautauqua Lake. Uh, but you know we had a re-sign in the MOU. People are back on board with working together. Uh, there's still some, you know, that, that hot topic of, of herbicides is out there, you know, herbicides versus harvesting. And, but inevitably, we have to have both. Another piece is, the, you know, that bridge. You know, people don't realize when you look at reduction of road salt, which has been a proven study in lakes across New York State, especially in the Adirondack Parks region, but also in Lake George. The downside is we're surrounded by state roads. You know, you've got 430 on the north side, and then you've got 394 on the south side, and you're crossed and traversed by route, you know, the Interstate 86. And, you know, I, I talk to people, and our heaviest density of curly leaf pondweed is right there in the Narrows, right in the Bemis, near the bridge. Um, and I said, can the state look into capturing that runoff? So if you salt that bridge, which is what they're gonna do to prevent freezing, is where does all that sodium chloride go? Right into the lake. So, and if you look, I, I urge people when you're driving, look at those white lines that go down along the bridge. Those are drop inlets. Those are downspouts that go directly to the lake. So whatever is running off that bridge goes right into the lake. Can we shorten those up? Can we put a pipe and not, you know, not a small pipe, but a large enough pipe to where, you know, you, you cut a channel out maybe six inches wide or a foot wide on a 24 inch pipe or, you know, six or eight inches of it. And so it captures that and it allows it all to run down. Because when I talked to guys from the DOT, they said, yeah, one of those DIs drop inlets, clogs or freezes, we just dump a bucket of salt in it. I said, so you're dumping a five pound bucket of salt into a drop inlet and where does that salt go? Right into the lake. So different things we're looking at, um, but the lake is, we have come a long way. Uh, really exciting to, to talk to the DEC director to find out from region nine what is gonna you know what new she has for us but um people are working together you know cla clp the watershed everybody really has joined forces uh we're not out of the woods you know there's still a little pushing back and forth as to you know but, but we have a lot of science going on oneana state nc state a couple of different agencies so really excited but yeah the lake's a big it's a revenue generator you're looking at half a billion dollars a year uh, in different different you know pots if you will so We'll keep working. It's a it's a step, right? And the Barton and LaJudas is still they're kind of like in the middle of their their work looking at the boat fees. So if, when we're talking about generating, I mean you're looking at ways to sustain um, maintenance of the lake, and the boat fees is one of the things that has been looked at in lieu of the tax district. Correct, and 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 we're looking at that. 
it, it's just a matter of, you know, we, we have to flesh all this out. They have to do the study. They have to look at everything. And we're going to take all that information and come back and make a decision on what they tell us. You know, it, it may be favorable, it may be unfavorable, and we have to make those decisions. Um, you know, I'm getting some preliminary feedback right now that not exactly go in the direction people anticipated. Uh, you know, some of the information's come back differently than we had, what, than we had thought of. But some of these other programs, basically, um, you know, the program is covering the administrative cost with a little bit over, uh, you know, overage on the end. And now they've reached out to Lake Tahoe and they've talked about, um, you know, how their program works. But that's also multiple states, you know, you know, not Nevada and, and California as well. So. It, it's unique. Uh, we'll just put it that way. So we're looking, you know, we're going to, you know, turn over every stone and see what's under there. And, you know, at the end of the day, make a decision on, on what, you know, the, the study says. But, you know, we'll, we'll do our due diligence, that's for sure. Related to the lake and something that you've been, you know, really proud to be working on is this expansion of the sewer district. And we saw the completion of part of, I think, was phase one going between uh, Stowe and Asheville, because yep. I'm thinking I, I can see it in my head, but you know, if someone's trying to drive it along through 394, basically, if you're once you go by Bosey's Asheville mm -hmm. and you hit and just by the bridge, that's basically phase one has been completed now. Yeah, it's it's completed. They've been online. Um, you know, again, there's some you know some pushback because of the cost to hook up. It's it's not you know, and then the cost of the project itself. There's going to be a, a, a payment you know for you know several years, but when you look at you know maintaining a healthy lake and watershed, that's really important. You know, some of these cottages and houses were built as a weekend retreat, not to meant to be lived in year round and not meant to have, you know, four or five people off a cottage with 20 people on the weekend for a party. And, you know, some of these septic tanks were nothing more than a 55 gallon drum dropped in in the, you know, 30s or 40s before any, you know, there was any regulation to that. So, you know, this is a major step in protecting our lake. Uh, the second phase two is going to begin. I think the engineering study's already been conducted. So I, I'm under the understanding they want to start to break ground in the fall, maybe late summer, but don't hold me to that. But it is moving along. And we still have one more stretch on the north side of the lake or, you know, the area between DeWittville and, and Midway, Midway Park. So, you know, we, we do have some work. And I, I know, jokingly, I'd always said, and I, I was talking to Raleigh Kidder because he's been a big champion of the sewer district. And uh, he said, I didn't think I would see it in my lifetime, you know, and, and I told him, I said, my hope is I could look you in the eye and say, we did it. You know, we finally had completed the sewer district around the lake. So um, challenges, of course, uh, some victories, yeah. But in, in all in all, it's really for the, the longstanding sustainability and protection of that lake. Mm -hmm. Thinking of other... Um Things that are being invested in in Chautauqua County, and we've got great news on the economic development front from groups like Cummins, uh, Cummins Engine, as recently as Wells uh, Enterprises, and other things happening. Um, talk about the starting with Cummins about that kind of investment at that um, site out in Busti. Well, you know, it, it's a marvel if you think about it. You know, I've been there now. I, I again. Cummins is the reason I'm here. You know, my father was brought here. He he was hired, and our family moved, relocated from Maryland, uh, working for Mack Truck. We moved up here, and you know, he was there for his career. Um, you know, I was there when the old block line was there. They've taken that all out. You walked in, it was gray and you know, machine dust everywhere, and now it's it's bright and vibrant. Uh, you know, they're talking of producing 500 engines a day, uh, which is phenomenal when you think they were only building. You know, one a day. It even it took many days to build one engine. Um, when I worked there in the in the mid '90s, early you know '93, '94, they were building 215 engines a day. Now their capacity will be closer to and or over 500, which is unbelievable. And the interesting piece is those engines don't stay here. They don't sit on a storeroom shelf in in Cummins Engine in Busti for months or, or years. It's hours or days before they're, sh I mean, they're shipped right out into the, the consumer and put into trucks and fire engines and buses and so forth. So um, three quarters of the overroad trucking has a Cummins engine in it. Uh, one of the things they're really looking forward to is development of their engine. They're really working on a natural gas engine, which obviously should be produced right here. As I've told everybody, the first natural gas well was found and discovered in Fredonia, New York. So why not have Chautauqua County producing natural gas engines in the birthplace of natural gas, as I see it. Um, and the second is they're looking at, you know, a, a hybrid diesel, <clears throat> and they're also looking at, which is more the diesel fuel itself uh, and how that could be cleaner. But then they're also looking at a hydrogen powered, and they had a hydrogen powered truck there 
phenomenal when you think of the technology. Um, what they also want to do is they want to become the camshaft capital of the world. So they want to have camshafts produced right here in Chautauqua County that go worldwide. The technology is there. They're looking at things like titanium to build these camshafts. Advanced manufacturing is what it's going to take, machining, et cetera. So really excited. But a half a billion dollars investment, 450 million, I think, and 95 new jobs coming <clears throat> in the course of that. Really significant. Yeah, then you turn around and you look at, you know, Wells, uh, you know, Blue Bunny ice cream. Uh, purchased by um, Ferrero. And if everybody knows Ferrero Rocher, well, we're part of that now. You know, we're part of that, that family of companies. And, you know, they invested in this year, uh, uh, this time last year, we were talking of layoffs. And within a year, they're talking of an investment in bringing back 250 jobs, which will net about 100 to 150 new jobs. So really exciting. Um, Numbers haven't been really narrowed down or dialed in, but roughly about 250 million. So between the two, you're talking, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars of investment in Chautauqua County. Not to mention other other factor, other businesses. You know, Refresco is continuing their operations here. You know, SKF got a big loan to expand. You know, some of their operations as well. So, you know, Chautauqua County is no joke. We are, uh, you know pioneering uh, our you know, advanced technologies. There's still room to grow. We're gonna you know, produce students who can fill those jobs in the future. And we also have the shovel-ready site in Ripley, which you know, it's really important. Uh, you know, a lot of criticism. Why are we doing it in Jamestown? Well, Jamestown has shovel-ready sites. And shovel-ready means water, sewer, electric infrastructure. They have that now in the city of Jamestown. Uniquely, factories in the turn of the century were built vertically. You know, you could build a four or five story factory and everything could be done with freight elevators and ship. But now everything wants to stay on ground level and, and you know, the manufacturing stays at those levels. So ways to repurpose that space in the city has always been looked at. But when you're looking at, you know, large uh, expansive areas for manufacturing, we really need those shovel ready sites. And Ripley is a, is a prime spot right off uh, the throughway right off uh, Interstate 90, you've got railroad uh, ties to it. So a lot of opportunity, you know, for that. And really excited that uh, the IDA, and I, I do want to put this plug, you know, the IDA uh, was just featured in uh, Buffalo Business First as the second ranked economic development company in Western New York. First only behind Invest Buffalo Niagara, which is part of the Buffalo Billion. So when you look and you're comparing something like Invest Buffalo Niagara, and we're, we're the runner up, that's very impressive. And we were ahead of the Buffalo Erie County IDA. So when you look at what our IDA has accomplished, it's incredible. Now, of course, the ABO came out with their audit and there was a lot of criticism, but our, our IDA is strong, it's very vibrant. $5 million was granted to the IDA by the state of New York. So if we're a bad agency, why would the state throw $5 million our way? So we've made our corrections. We're still making corrections from the ABO audit, but I'm really excited. The IDA, Mark Geis, Rich Dixon, his entire team, Nate Aldrich, Christy Morabito, everybody doing a phenomenal job of looking in ways to attract business here. And those who want to come here, we've, we've got businesses that are already reaching out to us. And how do we make those connections to find places for them and get these businesses up and running? Mm -hmm. Moving on to things I call it, I call it the government. The government stuff, which sometimes is not the most fun stuff. Uh, when we were talking back earlier this spring, we were talking about the New York State budget. And there were some complications that came out of this budget for counties in New York, including uh, Medicaid. And uh, how, what, how, what has gone on with that since the budget was passed? And here we are, you've gone through, you've, you've put forward your budget for 2024, and that's been approved. How are you handling the Medicaid issues? Uh, it's tough. You know, the governor's beating us up with this one. Um, you know, Medicaid costs are rising. Uh, you know, we have the Cadillac Mercedes-Benz version of, of Medicaid, and we're the only, one of the only county or states in the union where the counties pay the Medicaid share. You know, we don't dictate who qualifies. We don't dictate the services that we have to provide. We just have to provide them. Oh, at our cost. And that's, that's brutal when you look at what's happening. And not to mention, the federal government, you know, created this EF map, enhanced, you know, federal Medicaid uh, assistance percentage. This is money that's supposed to go back to the counties, and the governor's intercepted it. I like to think of it as a playground bully. I can take your money because I can. I'm the big, I'm the big dog. 
Um, we have worked unilaterally, Ryan McMahon and County Executive out of Onondaga County, um, you know, along with other county executives. In fact, we met uh, earlier this week, had a great discussion, and I've been on board. I, I championed this last year when we talked about, you know, immigration and asylum seekers. You know, the governor owes us this Medicaid money. Tell us, you know, we'll give it you. Don't put it back. They're reluctant, right? We don't want to give it to you to put in your savings account because we've got our own issues at the, at the state. So why do we want to make you look better? That's, that's my belief as to how they're operating. But um, what we could do is, okay, here's a menu of items we can do. You know, we can use it on, uh, you know, investment for infrastructure or housing stock or our homeless population or our asylum seekers. So if you give us the nearly seven to 18 million, somewhere about that there's what's owed the county, you know, we had a $7 million increase this year. Not to mention money's owed to us that are probably about, again, another seven to 12 million we anticipate. That's, you know, seven, 12 to $18 million. If you tell me I have to use that in, in homeless shelters or housing stock, we'll gladly do that. And that's our proposal to the governor. Let us help you. Uh, these are your initiatives. You have the money, you have our money. But just hold it there and we will you know, spend it and then reimburse us or put that money in account and this is only what you can use it for. So we feel we have a great win for the governor. Whether or not she'll buy into that is yet to be determined. Yeah, and, and to that point, it's interesting that, that proposal because the next thing I was going to ask you about is that we, you know, we've had a lot of um, – Stuff in the news with, you know, terms of, you know, the number of asylum seekers coming into New York State, primarily to New York City first. And then there was that attempt by um, New York City Mayor Adams to maybe see if other municipalities or counties would be willing to take them. Erie County did did try. I think uh, Monroe County had initially and then they backed off uh, in terms of you know nearby counties that were trying the trying to help out. And then. I'd say I, it kind of goes hand in hand, but it's, they're two totally different issues. But you have asylum seekers that are, you know, are coming in independently of themselves, you know, of, of New York State, of New York City coming into Jamestown. Then you have the issue of homelessness, and you're dealing with two populations that are looking for places to stay, um, or either you know maybe don't have work. They can't work on one hand with the asylum seekers because they, unless they've been here the, the requisite time, we we're kind of like, we're getting the end of the year. I'm thinking these folks are probably able to work now. But still, no. I mean, it doesn't mean like, you know, the new ones who have come in in the last month or two, they can't. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite a something to wrap your head around and wrap your hands around to try to, how do you how do you deal with this? And you had some actions that you did take with your emergency orders. Yeah, you know, our, we, we put the emergency orders out. We, we took a stand and... And I, you know, that's, you know, kind of water under the bridge. We keep renewing them every five days. And, um, you know, this is, again, protecting, you know, the county. We, we have asylum seekers that are here in the county. Some have left, more have come in. We're not standing there at the border preventing people from coming in, you know, contrary to what the beliefs are. And we don't have people coming in buses or, or planes landing in the dead of the night like has happened in other places. Um, so we're dealing with this. Uh, it's a huge issue. You know, I was at, I was at the, the Roosevelt Hotel you know, in July. And what I saw in July is nothing what is happening there right now. I mean, they're inundated, you know, and they want to point fingers at everybody. At the end of the day, I urge the governor, and this is still a proposal. We put United States on pause during COVID. We put New York State on pause during COVID. Why can't we put New York State on pause again for an entire year and stop the sanctuary state status, stop the sanctuary city status. We're not reversing it, we're not closing it down, we're just putting it on pause and taking a breath. Let us come up for air and figure this out. But no one has the gumption to do that. No one has the, the fortitude to say, stop, the governor has said it multiple times, we're full, we can't take anymore. Then put the asylum, the, the sanctuary status of our state on pause for an entire year. Stop it, let us catch our breath. But the homeless issue is a challenge because many of those individuals, for whatever reason, are in this position right now. They're American citizens. Uh, many cases, you know, may have had previous jobs, families, mothers, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, cousins, whoever, and now they're they're in a very challenging time. Um, you know, one of the questions reached out was, uh, you know, we heard the code blue shelters were, you know stopped right now or closed, but you know, are we gonna see an influx in our county as Pennsylvania County Executive? I said, to the opposite. What I found is people are coming from Pennsylvania to New York because our, our program is so lucrative. Um, you know, so again, is it challenging? Yes. Do we need to focus and re, re, 
reorganize themselves? We do. Uh, but this has to be a joint coalition. This can't be any one agency saying, you know, we're going to do this. Um, but inevitably, New York State, uh, more so the governor's office, they, they throw money at something. You know, and, and what I've told people is, you know, they'll throw money and pay for people to live in hotels for an entire year before they admit we have a homeless issue and we need to create more homeless shelters or we need to create transitional housing. So that's just the MO. We'll, we'll give you money. Just, is your, are you happy? How much money can we give you to make you happy? It's not going to work that way. You know, we, we're, we've, we've seen this type of, of, you know, policy and it's not successful. So, yes, uh, you know, we have a lot of things we're working on, are always working. You know, the Code Blue shelters weren't going to be opening as we thought. We got, as we were told, we got RFPs out. We're looking at options. You know, we're, we're making, you know, the, the connections we need to. But it is, it's a huge problem, you know, and, and homelessness, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it's not any one thing. It's multiple things for these individuals. So we need to, you know, get them assistance and get them back on their feet. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you look at, you know, where we were in the Great Depression and where we are now. If you have places like California, San Francisco, Texas, where you see tent cities popping up. I, I mean, really? I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a world superpower and this is what we have? I mean, there's, you know, but the other side of this is, you know, people have to want to change. And, and this does fall back on the individual. If you want to pull yourself up by the bootstraps, you can. Um, you look at the movie there with uh, you know Will Smith. You know I forget you know where it was a gentleman. He and his son were living on the streets, and he's pulled himself up uh, and got out of that situation. It was a mistake he made, and, and you know his his life kind of unraveled with a bad business decision, and you know he he brought himself back. Well, it's the same thing some of these people are dealing with. So, but you have to want to change. That's just it, and you you have to meet you know you have to meet the road halfway. You can't expect everyone to pick you up and carry you you know that path. You it needs to be so. It's a yeah. Again, we could probably talk for hours on that, but it, it's an issue. But we are you know working together collaboratively, and we have our homeless coalition that we're it is working diligently, and the county's part of that discussion. So we'll continue. But I really think that the future lies in this opportunity. Uh, on a multifaceted level of the work with the governor and use that FMAP money that she has that belongs to the counties and control our spending, if you will, make sure but we invest it in those facilities. I mean, think of these old buildings. You know, you could have a factory with four or five floors, you know, retrofit an elevator and, you know, create new housing. There's a lot of opportunity, uh, but it costs money. And we need to find out where that money comes from and, and hopefully, you know, the fundings come our way. Mm-hmm. Thinking of one of the agencies that, you know, will assess with those who are maybe homeless and, and maybe not all of the people who are homeless would need mental hygiene services, but um, that's certainly one of the departments that helps out with the assess. Uh, mental hygiene department was uh, in the news this today and also the, in, in the last couple of weeks because of the offices they lease from the city of Jamestown. And I, I mean... We've heard about through city council meetings that the roof is not in good shape on the municipal building. And are, is the county? I mean, you got a one, you got another one year lease. Are you thinking that you're going to stay there, or what are you what are you looking at doing at this point? Uh, we're looking at a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I've had discussions with the mayor elect. I've expressed where we are. Uh, you know, some significant concerns with that roof. Uh, you know, we were given some preliminary information. Um, we got some great news yesterday, and I'll, I won't divulge too much, but it's good news. Uh, I'll put it that way. So, really exciting is opportunity. So, I think they're, you know, the new administration is looking to rectify the current situation. Um, you know, be criti- Yeah, we could be critical. You know, that the city had more ARPA funding than the county did. So, why wasn't the first thing you did work on those deficiencies you knew existed in your roof and your buildings and so forth? I can't address that, and I'm not critical. That's just my, you know, um, but what could we have done? So uh, the reason that's been a topic is because we get deficiencies in inspection from the Office of Mental Hygiene. The state organization comes in and inspects us, and when we get deficiencies for, you know, stained ceiling tiles, sagging ceiling tiles, missing ceiling tiles, and things that are, you know, services provided by the landlord, um, we're at their mercy. Um, you know, these things have been addressed, but I know the new uh, mayor-elect, uh, Eklund, has worked at this, and she's really, um, you know, pivoting as to where, you know, the operations and focuses need to be. So, 
we're going to look at that, you know, but we are looking at, at other options. We're looking at more consolidated services across, uh, you know, with all of our southern operations in the South County. So uh, some things are happening, um, but, you know, as we get closer, we have architects and engineers looking at other facilities that, you know, could be possible options. But again, it has to be cost effective for the county. Um, and, you know, right now our our cost for down, rent in downtown areas, you know, between some of the properties, uh, we contract with one individual who's a property owner, and then the city of Jamestown is about $934,000 a year. So a million, let's say. So let's, uh, could we, you know, have a, a wise investment and uh, maybe have one-stop shopping, basically, all of these services in one facility. So we're looking at options, but right now, you know, we're going to work with the city and, and be very happy for what, you know, what we get as far as what their changes and what the plans are. So um, I do know that, you know, we received some, some immediate news yesterday that there is going to be some uh, action taken with the roof. So I'm really excited and, you know, hopefully some remedies occur, but it's unfortunate, you know, these are, uh, you know, individuals and we're on the top floor. So when <laughs> the roof leaks, we're the first ones to get it. But, you know, again, the, the, you know, the mayor's, the you know, current mayor and his administration has worked with us. So we, we feel, no, I'm, I'm, without a doubt confident that we'll, you know, we'll come to resolve with this, but it didn't make the papers. Right. When it comes to the deficiencies that you're cited by the state from, what what is that? Is this just something that goes on a record? Do they find you? What happens? As that I don't know. It's more kind of like a gig. You know, there's another thing you need to focus on and, you know, need to improve those things. I, I don't know as if we've seen any fines because of it. Uh, I'm sure if we did, we would be sitting down with, you know, city council and the mayor's administration and say, we really need something to happen here. Um, but we haven't got to that level right now. So, um, you know, I could find out some more information. All I know is it's just, it's frustrating even to get a deficiency. Uh, you know, one instance we had a young man throw a chair in the window. It was it was his fault. We we know that, but window still has yet to be repaired. <laughs> so when you walk in, it's, uh, you know, to walk in and see plywood on a window. And, it, and it's unique because those windows are so, so unique and so expensive to replace. Um, but there again, you know, there are certain things that we just, we have to, it, it's, a, it's a situation. It is what it is, right? We, we've heard that phrase. So uh, we'll keep working. But, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, some of the latest uh, information we received as, as, uh, as late as yesterday afternoon. So uh, things are moving in the right direction. So I think uh, changes are being made, and, and I think we'll, uh, we'll continue to work. Mm-hmm. One one of the things that uh, came up at the city council meeting on Monday night, where they were doing some budget amendments, and then there was a comment that there is a with the county's tax rate for the city of Jamestown that there was an increase, which I'm thinking that didn't make sense. And we we had talked to um, council member at large, Kim Eklund, who's mayor elect Eklund as well, and she mentioned she's like, I think this is something with the equalization rate. So what's what's happening with the city of Jamestown and the, and the county's uh, tax rate? Right. So the county's tax rate remains the same, um, has not changed, has not increased, and and I was very particular in my budget presentation and said, if you are at a hundred percent assessed value, and come to find out, there's a lot of cities, towns, and villages that are not at a hundred percent assessed value. Um, so what that means is you won't see that full 89 cent per thousand tax rate reduction. Uh, is that my fault? No, because those assessments are done by towns, villages, and cities. In the case of the city of Jamestown, uh, you know, a couple years back they were very close, near at 100 percent. But unfortunately, because they have not had revals and reassessments, um, that equalization rate has dropped. Uh, what that means is, you know, the the property values have to equalize. You know, as far as what's been paid and what's I don't know the exact term, so I, I, I will defer to you know our experts uh, in, in real property tax. But inevitably, what it does is it, it reflects on you know the overall, the resulting tax rate for the city of Jamestown residents. So in this case, um, it will change. A, and as I said to Mayor Lacton, and the comptroller, I said, it's, it's unfortunate that, that the residents aren't able to you know, receive the benefit of this tax rate reduction because of um, you know, assessments not being done, reassessments not being done. There's a couple of ways to look at it. If you look at, well, if I reassess my my homes, it's going to go up in value. Rarely does somebody's house get reassessed and is it going to go down. Improvements are made, people are upgrading, etc. So, of course, people are always, you know, I don't want my house reassessed because my property taxes are going to go up. Right. And up until recently, you know, your house increase in assessment doesn't necessarily reflect the market value of your home. 
So you could have a house assessed at $100,000, but you can't put it on the market for $100,000. That's not what the market is, is, is you know, saying right now. But unfortunately, in the last year or two, we've seen a tremendous increase in the market to the tune of a 16% increase, which you know, industry trends are three to 4% is high. We saw a 16% increase in the, the sale of homes, which means they're selling for more than assessed value, which hasn't happened in many, many years. Uh, some would argue it's an inflated real estate market. I, I don't believe that. As people want to move to Chautauqua County, they want to buy a home. So, I mean, these are homes that are going on the market for two hundred thousand, and offers are coming in at two fifty or more. Uh, there was one house in particular in Lakewood I know that that when it went on the market, I'm like, it's going to be there for a while, and it was there for less than a week, and there was a cash offer made much more than the asking price. So, you know, naysayers, oh, pe people want to come here. Uh, people want to relocate. People want to have a second home in Chautauqua County. And for that, we do see the values of our homes increasing. Uh, if you're somebody living on a tight budget or a fixed income and they reassess your house, yeah, your taxes are going to go up because your assessment goes up. That's why everybody, towns, villages, cities, you know, we work in the county, work so hard to keep our tax rates low. Uh, because should you see a reassessment, you know, you it, it'll be won't as, as dramatic as, as you would you know anticipate. Uh, but again, you know it's, it's unfortunate, but you know as we said, it's you know though that not having that reassessment unfortunately has, has caused a, a challenge to, to city tax rate payers. So we'll work, uh, but you know, our, our rate is what our rate is and, and that equalization. Um, and I, I guarantee the mayor elect, we've already talked there are plans that are going to be uh, undertaken to rectify the situation. So uh, I have complete confidence in, in the new administration as to how they can get this done. And not only for, but for the taxpayers. Really, this is who this is about, right? This is about the people who live here and how do we make sure we're doing the right thing for them. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that explanation because <laughs> I think I think the media even was a little like confused about, well, how did this happen on Monday? So that does definitely well, help clear that up. Well, when I got a text message from, from Kim at the night of the, at Mayor Elect, the night of the council meeting, I was frantic too. I reached out to my, my immediate staff at 7.30 and I'm like, hey, help me out here. <laughs> Explain this to me so I understand. And, and they did. Uh, I've got a great staff that, you know, take phone calls. Uh, they did a great job explaining it to me. And, and we're still working. A real property tax director is working with the city. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get things worked out. Uh, you had a uh, information that came out and an announcement uh, that came out that uh, there will be a new public health director. It had been filled on an interim basis by Dr. Michael Falk, uh, who is the chief medical officer for the, the county. Uh, but it's going to be an internal move. And what's happening within the health department? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, our health department is really exciting. Uh, so many new things. They have rebranding. Uh, we have a new look. We have a new attitude. We have a new... Uh, not so much a new mission, but new new philosophy with that mission going forward. Uh, it was talked about, you know, to separate social services and public health because they were both together, um, and you have you have the drama of you know social services and public assistance and you know child protective services and temporary housing and heap so many things that really are are challenging for individuals. And then you have the public health department that has a completely different mission. It's to you know promote public health and promote safety and promote wellness countywide. Uh, Lacey Wilson comes in with a vast. Uh, experience of those things. Uh, you know, the direction I took was had received some criticism, in fact, still criticism from, from certain individuals as to, you know, not reappointing uh, the last public health director. Uh, but I went from, you know, our, our previous director to a physician. Uh, that physician carries out multiple tasks that are required to have a physician's license. Uh, so really excited. And when we talk to the state now, and, and Dr. Falk does, uh, you know, sit on different boards uh, with for the state health department, it's a doctor. It's a physician. So we have a different position now. When you know, when somebody questions something, you know, well, here's what we're looking at. Uh, you know, and and having Dr. Falk there has been a huge asset. Um, but now Lacey Wilson comes in with a great deal of experience, vitality, youth, experience, excitement. Uh, great, great head on their shoulders, working in concert with Dr. Falk. Um, so you know, we're promoting Lacey from deputy director to you know public health director. Um, and there are some, we aren't going to fill that position immediately for the deputy. Uh, that's going to be vacant. Uh, in the meantime, we, we have not refilled the position of epidemiologist. Um, that's something that, that Dr. Falk is, is looking at, but at the current time doesn't uh, you know, feel the, the necessity to have that filled immediately. So really, it's a cost savings to the county, but 
brings a huge, uh, a huge change and a huge dynamic. Um, you know, when uh, you know, in Lacey partnering with Office of Mental Hygiene and different operations uh, we have countywide. She worked at the Office for the Aging Services (OFAS), so you know she brings that wealth of knowledge from you know, birth till uh, till the stone, if you will. So really working with everybody is really exciting. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited for the future of Chautauqua County Public Health and really where we're gonna go and, and what they wanna do with it. So great news, great information. Future is bright. With Dr. Falk, I'm thinking this this takes some weight off of him. You know, he he, he gets rid of one title. Will this allow him to get involved with anything else in Chautauqua County government? It'll get him really allow him to focus really on those huge tasks that he has right now. He's involved in the jail medical, which is now accredited. Um, you know, our incarcerated individuals have a pretty phenomenal healthcare system, uh, unfortunately, um, and it's on the cost of the county taxpayers. That's a local share uh, to provide the medical coverage for our incarcerated individuals. Uniquely, New York State, um, once somebody's incarcerated, if you are on public assistance, i.e. Medicaid, and you are incarcerated, you now become the county's medical burden, if you will, and Medicaid stops. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so you're on public and federal assistance when you're in, in state assistance on the outside, when you're in the county jail, you're on the county's dime. And that's a challenge. It creates an overwhelming cost that rises every year. Uh, so, you know, there are things, jail medical, our coroner's program, a multitude of things that Dr. Falk is doing right now and it allows him to focus uh, and really start to uh, expand those programs and, and, you know, do what's right. And it's not all jail medical, don't, don't get me wrong, but there's other programs that we do here in the county, our EMS system, that's uh, expanding and so forth. So really, um, it'll allow him more time to focus on you know those other requirements of his job and, and things that that do uh, do require you know physician's license. So uh, it's a win-win. We're really we're really excited for the move. At the legislature meeting last night, there was a. a staff person from the Child Protective Services Department who got up and spoke about concerns about staffing within CPS and, you know, how hard it's been in the last couple of years at, in terms of, like, the turnover. Obviously, CPS is not an easy place to work because you're dealing with situations where, you know, children are have to be, you know, taken out of situations that are unhealthy for them, unsafe for them. Uh, what is the county doing to address some of these issues with staffing, especially in areas like CPS? Well, you know, if you look um, you know, John Sedota is a supervisor and spoke last night, and he's been a county employee for 28 years and has spoken. He's worked with six different county executives and has complimented myself and Carmelo Hernandez on the steps we've taken, decisions we've made, and changes we've made um, in the leadership in social services and in particular CPS. So, uh, there's great leadership within that department already, but it is a challenging department. I mean, let's face it, you know, these are kids, you have to go into homes where, you know, there could be a child fatality, there's abuse, there's, you know, long-term scars, both emotional and physical. And, you know, it takes a, a very, very unique and talented person to be able to go into these homes. I think last year, there were they said there's 2,100 cases reported to the state that they're dealing with. That's um, you know, there's state mandated reporters as a teacher. You know, I've had to make those calls about a child that we felt was being neglected or abused. And, you know, we do get reports. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I see those reports that come to my office with there's a fatality um, in Chautauqua County and, and CPS. Not always is there a, a, a bad result or, I mean, the, the fatality is bad, but it's not always because of neglect or abuse. There are certain things that just unfortunate, tragic accidents. But, also, these individuals go in, and, and they were going into homes that are very, very challenging, and it's tough. Um, I'm very confident in uh, the change in leadership we have there right now. You'll see, uh, and it's one of the things that we focused on as we integrated mental hygiene and social services last year is focusing on making sure our supervisors were doing that job that they're hired to do. Uh, really confident on the changes we've made, the direction we're moving, um, and getting people to focus on that job. Um, and, and it's not easy, right? You know, it's tough to be a manager, and, but those jobs have to be done. So I'm really confident in changes we've made, and, and we're, you know, it's actually complimented last night that although there are challenges, although there are, um, you know, a, a, some tough roads ahead of us, um, the staff is, you know, happy with the changes we've made. So, uh, like anything else in my administration, we're going to get the right people in there. We're going to make the changes, and it's definitely going to be a, a turnaround. Uh, but you know, how do you 
recruit somebody to say, hey, you're going to go into homes that are, you know, in probably deplorable conditions. You would never think humans or children would live. Um, and then, you know, if you have a situation, you know, as best as that mother or father are trying to provide for that child, they just can't do the right job. And you have to remove those children. And, and let's face it, these kids, you know, you're a, a, a toddler, three, four, five years old, six or eight, you know, this is who you grew up. This is who you love. This is who brought you into this world. You know, if it's a mother or, or if a father, you know, the mother is no longer around, then, then the father's taking that. And it's, you know, it's not, they're not trying. It's just, in some cases, maybe they're not, but in some cases, maybe it's beyond their capacity or certain things have happened to them and they put them in a situation. And it's tough to tell that child, I'm taking you away from your mom or dad. Um, in some cases, that's what has to be done. Uh, but that's not easy. You know, and these, you know, it, it's a tough, you know, they have to go to bed at night and, and think, is what I just did in the betterment of that child's future? That's what you're looking at. You know, you, you, you've you got to look at the future of the child and what's happening, what's in the best interest. Because let's face it, as, as bad as you or I may have thought our upbringing was, it, it pales in comparison to what some of these children have to deal with. So. Um, it's a tough group. They're are very, very thankful every day for what they do. Um, I, I've had experiences with with CPS over the years. I remember one instant where, um, you know, a, a, a guardian showed up to you know take uh, a child home, but they didn't have custody. And you know, we we knew this, and and you know, you had a young child say, oh, "I heard my mom's here. My mom's here. They're going to take me home." And, but they couldn't go home with mom. You know, there's and and so we had a. You know, he CPS worker showed up, and they were gonna, you know, and we kind of snuck him out the back door. Um, and, and again, it's all what had to be done. But you know, we're like, oh, you know, you're like a movie star. We're gonna take you out the back. There's a car waiting right outside the door, and and you know, you're gonna drive off, and you're not gonna have to ride the bus, and we're gonna take care of you. And unfortunately, you you, know, you have to kind of boost that up and, and distract the child from what's happening. But you know, if the court says he can't go home with mom, he can't go home with mom, and it was a tough challenge. It was challenging, but you know the way CPS came in and really professional, really did a great job. Um, but that's what they do every day, and it's it's long, it's exhausting. You know, you you listen to somebody that's been there for twenty eight years. That's 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 a tough individual because there's a lot that they see, and, and I'm very thankful for all of our our staff. And there isn't one person that I've seen in that office that you know, is is not doing anything and everything they can for our children. But yes, we need more people. We need more assistance in there. Uh, we need more employees. So, you know, if you're listening and you want to help children, that's a great place to be. You know, we'll make sure you get the training and, um, you know, move forward. But it's, it's about the kids. This is really about the future of Chautauqua County. If we don't focus on that, we don't have a future, you know, when it comes to residents. Have you heard of other counties having similar issues within the CPS department with staffing, or is a, is this something just unfortunately that is happening here in Chautauqua County? I don't know when it comes to CPS. I mean, I know those positions everywhere statewide are so so difficult to, to fill, and unfortunately, they, they mentioned it yesterday, and there is a great deal of change in the civil service exam that is beyond antiquated. I mean, we, we have one of the most prehistoric systems in New York State uh, that when it comes to, uh, you know, we're going to hire you, but then you have to take a test. If you don't score well on a test, even though you can do the job great, um, then you don't get hired. Uh, or we can hire you for a year, but if you don't pass the test, then you don't have a job. I mean, come on. We, when the state is telling we don't have enough employees, but we're going to get rid of you because you can't pass a test. Now, you know, they could do that job for the next, for a year uh, until that test is taken, and then, then if they don't pass it, I, I mean, come on, standardized testing, we've got to, Re-examine, friends. Come on, this is this is, you know, it's ridiculous in my opinion, and, and I'll stand by that. And civil service has to revamp. Even the governor's staff has realized that civil service has to change dramatically. Um, so uh, that itself, in, in civil service, it's not, you know, it's a civil service employees association. So there is a union, but civil service itself and the systematic state process is, is what is really in question. There are, have been some changes into how they're able to um, hire without taking the test. You have to take the test within a year. So hoping that improves. But as far as CPS, I, I, I could double check with some of my colleagues across the state, but I'm sure that's a problem. Everybody, it's a challenging department to work for. Mm -hmm. Very tough. 
So one thing that got tabled at the legislature meeting last night was a resolution to use $100,000 from the occupancy tax fund to fund a public arts program. And this sounds like something that was going to be going through the Chautauqua County um, Industrial Development Agency or one of their their side um, groups. What is, what is this project that the IDA has been working on? Well, and, and to be clear, and this is, and, and again, not, not trying to be critical, Julie, by any means, is, you know, it's with the planning department. You know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but uniquely, the planning department um, director is Mark Geis, who's also the CEO of the IDA. So the IDA is a different entity. Um, so in his role as the planning and economic development director, um, that's what we're focusing, and that's at 2 and 3% money, 2% for waterways and lakes. 3% is our travel and tourism. Um, we looked at that at the last budget and realized that reserve was pretty high. Um, so I challenged them to spend that down and try to find projects that will enhance, um, utilize tourism dollars to increase tourism. You know, one of the things they're looking for is, uh, you know, the large chairs. I mean, if you go by, you know, there's a Fancher chair out in front of the BWB building adjacent to the ice arena. And a lot of times I'll go by, I see people sitting there getting pictures taken. Um, so the idea is if you, and you've seen these large chairs everywhere. Um, so the philosophy is, you know, the large chair isn't what brings people there. So we need to focus on what brings people into the community. You know, we, we talked earlier, wouldn't it be nice to have a, a replica of that Lily Tomlin chair where she acted like a little child and, you know, sitting in front of the Comedy Center, what a perfect place, right? Or, uh, you know, an oversized uh, Archie Bunker's chair or Edith's chair right out there, you know, that those type of things are, you know, the attraction brings you here, and the, the large things are a side note. Uh, the murals, uh, it's another way to enhance the beauty of Chautauqua County. We see murals all over. Obviously, many of them in downtown Jamestown, you know, depicting Lucia Ball in different scenes from her show. But, uh, you know, the same, I know Gary Peters, uh, junior and senior, uh, had posted a big mural on the side of the Chautauqua Mall, um, you know, welcoming people to Chautauqua County. So that was the intent. Uh, the, the numbers, uh, again, the legislature had questions as to the, the large amount of money. Um, you know, could there be a reduced number? Could we start a little bit smaller? And again, that's for the legislature to decide, you know, where they want to go with that. But I think the, the idea behind that is increasing. But, you know, we have to look at other projects, too, that were, you know, enhancing our, our uh, tourism uh, regionally. Uh, there was money invested there. So the arts project is good. And, and as the legislature said, nobody opposes the arts projects. It's just the cost is what they're looking at. And how, and, and this is what we all do, right? We, we all look to make sure that we're using those dollars wisely. And what's our return on investment? If I'm going to invest, you know, $100,000, what is that going to bring in in return? It doesn't always work that way, but if there is that opportunity for a return, you need to look at that. So, uh, you know, the legislators uh, last night spoke at great length, um, and, you know, they're going to table this and get some more information. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the, you know, the PED department will... Um, you know, get the information back to them, and it's going to be their decision. But, uh, you know, I trust the men and women, those 19 men and women. They do a great job, you know, making decisions, and they'll make a, a right decision. Um, and if that's, that's reducing the number, then so be it, or if there's another avenue they want to take. Uh, but we have a lot of talented art artists here. We have a lot of opportunity. Um, but I think the focus, they all said, is bringing people into the county is, is really the, the major focus. So we'll see. But... Yeah, it, it's tabled, so there's there's some more work to be done and more questions to be answered. We are basically in the middle of the holiday season here. In fact, this uh, will air on Christmas Eve as well as tonight. Uh, and I just want to ask you, where do you hope in Santa brings Chautauqua County government for, the, for this season? Uh, you know, I'd love for them to bring a big industry. You know, uh, Ryan, my, my buddy Ryan uh, McMahon, a little envious. You know, you landed, uh, you know, $100 billion in Micron, the largest investment in U.S. history. Uh, why couldn't that have been Chautauqua County, right? <laughs> but, you know, I think we're a lot closer to everybody. But, you know, you know, looking at the opportunities, I'm thankful for what we have. You know, first and foremost, you, you, you don't... You don't ever want to not be thankful for what you have and blessed for what you have. You know, from county government, we have great department heads. We have great employees at the county. We have, you know, a, a legislature that, that works phenomenally for the residents and their constituents. Um, you know, what do I hope for is, you know, prosperity and, and, and exciting news and, and, and a future growth for Chautauqua County. Um, you know, I ask people to quit thinking negatively. Um, you know, to me, the glass is always half full. Um, and, and it's tough because, uh, you know, sometimes people don't always understand our vision, you know, mine or others for that matter. But, but you know, there's 
everybody has their own vision as to where things need to be. And, you know, we need to put this, this pettiness of a decision being made on one side of the aisle or the other, whether it's good or not. You know, it's, it's a matter of, is it the best thing for Chautauqua County? And we need to move forward. And, you know, the, the sad part is the naysayers. It's, that's, that's what they get hung up on. Well, this didn't happen. You know, you can look at everything and find negativity there. I, I choose not to do that. I look and see how can we expand? How, you know, is that next big business out there waiting to come to Chautauqua County? How can we change, you know, what we ex have here right now? And, you know, taking, you know, taking some, uh, some making some decisions that will, um, you know, maybe challenging, uh, you know, uh, any, any business, you know, at some point, I'm sure somebody said that's the most ridiculous thing you could ever think of, but yet, um, you know, it, it worked. And, and unfortunately, those decisions have been made the other way. You know, we didn't, you know, challenge or, or look at a business uh, bringing it here and it went somewhere else and look at what, what became of it. So, um, you know, we do have some more investment coming into Chautauqua County. Um, I sit on the Regional Economic Development Council and, and really excited uh, for what is coming, um, where it comes, you know, in that respect. But yeah, I'm thankful for what we have and what I have personally. And, and you know, for county government, I just, you know, want a healthy new year coming up and really looking ex looking forward to what 24 has to offer. There are some new things I'm looking at and we're going to be launching, um, you know, new ways, new, new ways to look at things and to, uh, you know, start to plan for a future in Chautauqua County and, and getting out of this. Uh, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody yesterday, um, Harry Chapin, you know, wrote a great song. Um, it's Red Roses, I think is the name of it. But, you know, the idea is, uh, this young boy was a, in class and he said, the teacher said, flowers are red, young man, and green leaves are green. And there's no way to paint flowers any other way than the way they always have been seen. And the little boy said, no, there's so many colors in the rainbow, so many colors in the morning sun. There's so many ways to look at things. Don't look at it and say, well, this is how it's always been. And, and these naysayers, well, the counties was a population. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but look at the bright things. Look at, we have Ferrero. Ferrero Rocher is a well-known candy, right? That investor, Mr. Ferrero made an investment in Chautauqua County worldwide. They came here to Chautauqua County. Cummins Engine, you know, some 40 or 50 years ago, they made a decision to come to Chautauqua County. Now we are a flagship of their, their corporation. When is the next, you know, we're one of the largest manufacturers of air, uh, aviation bearings in SKF. A little bit of a of a stall or a pause right now, but they're regrouping. They're the a large part of their industry. So, you know, you can look at what we've lost, but you need to look at what we've gained and what we're continuing to gain. Advanced manufacturing is coming, and we are taking those steps to bring a bright future to Chautauqua County. And it doesn't happen overnight. You know, these things take time, and that's the frustrating part. I'm a very anxious person. Ask anybody that works with me. I want to get things done yesterday. Um, I tell myself a recovering procrastinator, but I look at the future and really how fast can we get there? Um, how fast can we make those right steps? And are there going to be stumbles? Yeah, there will be stumbles along the way. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I wake up every day and, um, you know, thankful for what I have, thankful for what we have here in the county and, you know, look for that next bright spot. Um, I had somebody reach out the other day and said, you know, you know, I was at a, at, a, at, a, at a get together and there are about 10 families that have relocated here most recently whose average family income is, or combined income is between 100 and 500,000 a year and remote workers, you know, what do we, hey, let's put you in touch with our partnership who's already looking at talent attraction and retention. So let's, let's get everybody together. What, you know, a great phrase is, you know, Chautauqua County isn't only a vacation destination. You know, this is four season remote working. You know, the, think about it, you can work any company in the world. We're expanding our broadband. You know, we have, you know, things that are improving. So why not live here where you have beautiful scenery year round, you know, the hustle and bustle of the city and you can make as much money here. And from any city, the cost of living is much less here in Chautauqua County than anywhere else. So I, naysayers are naysayers, come on. You know, Teddy Roosevelt said critics are, are everywhere. Um, but are the critics willing to make those changes and those risks to change what's happening? So I'm excited. Um, I've got a great staff, a uh, great team in the Chautauqua County government. Looking forward to a bright future and a bright 2024. All right. Well, County Executive Wendell, I wish you and your family a happy holidays, and we'll be speaking again in 2024. Well, thank you. And to you, too, and everybody listening, you know, happy holidays to every, all the residents of our county, and may it be a blessed uh, and enjoyable holiday. And again, we'll see you back here in... Uh, Next year, right? <laughs> That's the, see you next year. Very really exciting.